Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the film critic for the website Quipster.net. If this is your first time listening, I do invite you to check out my website. I have over 3,800 examples of my written work, and within a minute or so, you can get a feel as to whether I'm the film critic for you based on my recommendations and non-recommendations there. Go to Quipster.net and find out more. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at a film that I currently saw while I was down in the Los Angeles area with my girlfriend, and we stopped by to check out this movie called Maggie's Plan. I would consider it an independent film. It's a comedy. Some people might call it a romantic comedy. I would say more it's a relationship comedy. It's R-rated because of language and some sexuality, and the runtime is an hour and 38 minutes. The cast, the main players are Greta Gerwig and Ethan Hawke with a sizable supporting role from Julianne Moore and smaller roles for Bill Hader and Maya Rudolph. The director and screenwriter is Rebecca Miller, who is the daughter of playwright Arthur Miller, and she has adapted a story by Karen Rinaldi, who happens to be a friend of hers who had an unpublished novel that she decided to make into a film. Rebecca Miller is doing this film. It's mostly comparable to a lighthearted Woody Allen-esque relationship comedy In this film, Greta Gerwig plays a liberal arts college advisor named Maggie Harden. She's 30-something in age. She's neurotic in her stage. She's feeling her biological clock is ticking, thunderous tones, and she thinks that it might be best to go the route of artificial insemination because she has a history with men that seems to be little more than a bunch of relationships that end up failing before she ever gets to six months in length. During a clerical mishap at school that she works in, She ends up in a meet-cute with an adjunct fictocritical anthropology professor called John Harding, who's played by Ethan Hawke. They immediately become colleagues and even fast friends, and then a little bit more than that. Trouble is, he's married with two kids. So we end up flash-forwarding about three years later after they've declared their feelings for one another. Maggie has the child she's dreamed of having in her daughter named Lily and a husband. Yes, it's John who left his more successful anthropology professor wife named Georgette, played by Julianne Moore, and his two kids in order to pursue a life with Maggie. Maggie exceeding her six-month relationship barrier, she's no longer sure she wants to be with John because he seems to be catering to his every whim, kind of in the way that he used to cater to his wife Georgette's. But because of her neuroses or OCD behavior or whatever you want to call it, Maggie's unable to leave things in an untidy state by just walking away from the marriage. So she has this plan, which you hear from the title. It's not just about her trying to get pregnant. She tries to manipulate the romantic reunion of John with his ex-wife, Georgette, so that they can all come away living the lives how they should have been hopefully in a way that is better than they were before things got really messed up. So in essence, she's trying to break up her own marriage in order to fix the marriage that she had ended up breaking up to begin with. There are story contrivances that emerge here from time to time within the course of Maggie's plan. This is something that Woody Allen could generally escape from because Allen is almost always able to set up a whimsical tone to his films. So even when there are circumstances that occur that seem to be 
very contrived. Woody Allen seems to get away with it because the tone kind of carries you with it, that there are certain things that can and do happen in life, and that's just part of living, at least within a Woody Allen world. Miller here attempts to replicate Woody Allen, uh, but I do think that it comes across a little bit less successful, especially in the film's predictable final moments. You kind of know where it's going to go at a certain point, and you're just waiting for that to eventually happen. Luckily, it is pleasant enough to experience along the way. I would say the narrative shortcuts that are employed don't break the film, but they do seem a little bit too convenient. They take you out of the story for a moment and make you reflect on how convenient things seem to be occurring sometimes. So in that way, you're not really carried along, but you're willing to give it eventually the benefit of the doubt for the purposes of the overall entertainment of the film. Luckily, I do also think that the weaker elements of the story are made better because of the quality of the actors that are involved. Greta Gerwig shows a lot of range here beyond just being an irrepressible idiosyncratic oddball like she usually is in films, including a very Woody Allen-esque filmmaker in Noah Baumbach. Ethan Hawke, he's playing a role in which... You're not entirely sure if he's a self-centered jerk just looking for the right woman to feed his ego or if he's just merely a seasoned realist when it comes to relationships and marriage. Hawk here shows that relationship comedies with serious underpinnings are pretty much right in his wheelhouse. This is one of his best character portrayals outside of Jesse in the Before series of films. Coincidentally, Jesse is also a struggling novelist with relationship issues just like John is in this film, so... You know, Hawks played this role at least three times in the past, so he knows what he's doing here, and he does it as well as anybody reasonably could have. Julianne Moore is likably amusing as Georgette. She does sport this thick Germanic accent. Supposedly, she's playing Danish in the film. The character is somewhat reminiscent of the way that she portrayed Maud in The Big Lebowski if Maud were also doing an impression of Madeline Kahn, who herself was doing an impression of Marlena Dietrich as Lily von Stupp from Blazing Saddles, at least to my ears, that's what it sounded like. It's not completely convincing as accents go, but surprisingly, it's more than just one note. When you initially meet her character, you think that's all that she's ever going to be. But Moore is actually able to bring a lot of dimension to the role, especially as the film plays out toward the last half. Saturday Night Live alums, Bill Hader and Maya Rudolph chip in with some pretty good off-the-cuff humor you've come to know and love from them in smaller roles as Maggie's married friends and confidants. Obviously, Hader and Rudolph enjoy working together. This is, I think, the third film that they're in together in the last year or so. So Maggie's plan as a whole, it takes a decidedly non-judgmental look at people in committed relationships. It examines the search for happiness as something that everyone involved is striving for, though it is astute enough to realize that humans are flawed. Our well-meaning attempts to resolve situations with as little hurt as possible for all parties often ends up resulting in the opposite effect for everyone. You know, we do have the intellectualism of the educated characters from New York. That certainly is going to draw those Woody Allen comparisons, but I do think that Rebecca Miller's firmer understanding of such things as the millennial generation and other aspects that Allen may be a little bit too old to grasp at this point in his career, you know, at least in a way that would be authentic. I do think that this gives it a more modern-day approach than most Woody Allen films, and it does give Miller the creative distance that she needs to 
have her film be its own thing and to judge on its own terms because of the Woody Allen comparisons, which are almost unavoidable. It does feel familiar in its tone and in its delivery, but I do think that Maggie's plan is unique enough in its narrative through line and refreshingly unconventional in its characterizations such that it is more decidedly different than just about anything out there in the world of rom-coms, if you want to call it that. You know, I realize this is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. If you enjoy the works of Noah Baumbach or Woody Allen, it's not quite the same flavor totally, but it is in the ballpark. I think that you should probably enjoy Maggie's plan for a relationship comedy. I'm giving Maggie's plan three and a half stars out of four, and three and a half stars on my scale means that I do think that it is a good movie, and if relationship comedies seem to be your thing, especially independent films, I do think that it's worth a trip out to the theater to see if you have a chance, if it's playing in your town. Three and a half stars for Maggie's plan. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you did, click that subscribe button wherever you happen to have downloaded this so you can continue to get all of my reviews throughout the course of this year and hopefully future years to come. Also, if you've been listening for a while and you have enjoyed the show and you want to support the show, I'm not asking for money, at least not at this time. I'm not looking for advertisers or any of that stuff. I'm doing this completely free of charge. In fact, most of it comes out of my pocket to go see these movies. If you want to say a thank you, I say... The best way you can do that is by putting a review on iTunes. Let other people know what you think of the show and let them know this is a show worth checking out because that's the best way that we can build an audience for this show and keep it growing strong and healthy for many years to come. That's what I hope to do with it. That's my plan anyway. That's Vince's plan for this show. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening. I do hope that you enjoy your time at the movies. And if you check out Maggie's plan, whether you agree or disagree, send me a note. Let me know what you think. Quipster.net is where to go to find my contact info. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. 